This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. We're going to be talking about relationships in the next few weeks and uh, the formation of those relationships. And the most important, I believe, the most important part of that to start out with is listening. And what the Lord really wanted to um, work with, and I want you to turn to Mark chapter 4, um, if you will. But before we do that, um, in fact, as Pastor Jen and I were talking about her week in, in camp and what God did in our youth, isn't it fantastic? Amen? Come on, let's give God praise again for that. Well, um, I do have an announcement. Uh, Jamie Fletcher uh, is going to be our new director in children's ministry. I don't know if she's here right now. Um, I believe she's starting tomorrow. And tomorrow night, we're going to have an inter- just kind of a, a welcoming party for her and the elders. She's from uh, Gaylord Church, and she's just a wonderful sister in Christ. I'm very excited about working in our kids' ministry, so I know as, um, we'll be uh, probably introducing her next week in service. So get, um, look forward to that. And on the same uh, kind of note, again, next generation, Randy Don, we uh, had an offering last week and just didn't hit the mark. I don't think a lot of people knew that um, we were supposed to give toward it. So today we're going to take an opportunity to give to Randy Don Ministry. Randy Don Ministries right now is working and he is actually uh, overseeing and discipling not only Pastor Jenna, but I believe three other um, uh, youth leaders and youth ministries. He's um, actually giving some messages every other week. Um, in these uh, services, and here he is, a man that's my age, his passion, in fact, it was so interesting, uh, here's Pastor Jenna sharing with me this week, she says, I don't, I don't know if I'm relevant, I'm 35 years old, and I look, I says, isn't it interesting, you have a man that's almost 60 that's ministering to the kids, I says, it doesn't matter about age, there was a 120 year old that led God's people out of a wilderness, his name was Moses, all right, God doesn't look at gender, He doesn't look at age. What he looks at is the passion that you have for him. Do you have a passion for him? Do you have a passion for him? All right, we're going to be talking about that today because as a passion for him, you need to be listening to him. You need to hear God's voice. Because God's voice, the breath of God, you know, and I love how God uh, spoke this. And he goes, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You live and breathe by what God speaks in your life. And we live in such a culture today that there's so much noise that isn't God. We're gonna talk about the word tolerance today. And literally the definition, we're gonna pull it right out of the dictionary, you know, and what it really means. And we're gonna talk about um, what we're listening to as Christians and how important it is for you to be listening. We're gonna be talking about a king today. And who is the wisest king that was supposed to be ever lived who turned out to be one of the most foolish kings in his heart. You can be so wise up here, but so ignorant here. And it's important for you to know the difference. 
because you should stop searching and, and the world is trying to tell you how intellectually and how wise and how smart and how, you know, in, in all of the information society that we are today and that we should be living in this informational time. And yet here's the man that lived with the most information. In fact, in fact, cultures literally were changed because they would come and visit King Solomon and see all of what he had done and be just enamored by what he had accomplished. And today we talked about some of our youth and they'd be so enamored by the wealth of some of the people that live on the planet or even some of the ingenuity or some of the things that are, that are literally being um, learned and done and some of the things that we have through technology and we're so enamored by that and we don't realize that our heart of who our maker is is literally be conditioned to look at what the world does instead of the creator of the world. And there is a price to pay for what you listen to. What are you listening to? It's so important. In fact, that's why we talk about how important it is to get into Right Now Media, how important it is to get into your version Bible, because it is so imperative that you are feeding yourself with truth because there's so many untruths that you, that you don't even want. You can't even open up your phone without these things being inundated in your thought life. You can't open up your computer. You can't turn on your television. You can't do anything in this culture today without being compounded and just barraged with all kinds of nonsense. Stuff that you didn't even want to look up, but it was now thrown at you. And so never has there been a time where you should be taking the time to God, I want to hear what you're saying. What is it that you're saying to my heart today? Sure, you have something for my wife. Sure, you have something for my kids. And sure, you have something for life. But what are you speaking to my heart today? God, I want to hear what you say. In fact, I'm going to teach you something that my wife and I have been learning in our prayer life and now we're doing for our kids. And I believe it's so important. I want to teach you this. And it's really simple. Every single day, and I mean every single day, we acknowledge God. We start out and say, God, we acknowledge you as our Lord and our Savior. We acknowledge their greatness, and this is another new day, and we're thankful for it. We acknowledge that not only that you are the love of our life, that you're our counselor, you're our hope, that you're our, you know, you're our all. In fact, many times what we'll do is, is I'll, I'll get quiet and then I'll let Brenda pray, because then all of a sudden she starts going in, in some of her acknowledgments. And then we move into the space of Satan. Today, we take authority over you by the blood of Jesus and the authority of Jesus' name. You are confused and you must leave and must, you must flee the presence of our business today. That this business is God's business. And then we take time, say, Satan, even though you flee seven different ways, God, we invite you in to the space of our life today. We ask that you come into our marriage. We ask that you come into Life Change Church leadership. We ask that you come into the space of our children, our grandchildren. We ask that you come into the space, God, that you come into our businesses and that you come, not only we invite you into that space, we want it to be a holy day and a holy business day. And God, we play forgiveness because we know that we're knuckleheads, God. We know that we just have a way in our lives that we'll make the wrong decision. And we know that we're sinners, God. We ask that you cleanse us from unrighteousness and that you help us in this path of righteousness in Jesus' name, amen. Every single day because we're telling Satan where to go and we're asking Jesus to come in this isn't something that we did 30 years ago in our life 
This is every single... God's mercies are new every morning, but they must be invited in. Satan's strategies and devices are new every morning, and they must be taken authority over. So you must exercise what God wants you to exercise. And if you don't, then what you'll have is the same thing Adam and Eve did, is all of a sudden you'll wake up and Satan's in your garden. You don't wonder how he got there. Well, it's because you didn't tell him to get out. You need to tell him to get out. Every, how many days? Every single day. God created time and that he gave you time and you have to be a steward of time. So that's not really the message today, but that's just a freebie. So what I'd really like you to do is turn with me to Mark chapter four. And we're going to be talking about a, a famous parable that many people have uh, grab hold of in their life, but so many times we have lo- lost sight of it, and it's the seed. Because what you don't really realize, the most important part that God looks at in your life is seeds in your heart. That your heart is so valuable to God. So valuable, and it's valuable to others in your life. So in Ma- Mark chapter 4, verse 13. And before I um, read this passage, if you want to give to Randy Don Ministries, and I know as I'm going to be given, there are different ways that you can do it. I believe, Jonathan, that we can put those on the screen for a second if we could. All right? If we could put those on the screen just for a moment. Ways to give. I know that you can uh, text guest, and you can also write in an envelope, Randy Don or guest. And I believe if you're giving online, you can give online and guest. All right. Well, anyway, Randy Don Ministries is a, a, a ministry that I personally endorse and I want you to endorse. So if the Lord prompts your heart to do that, please do so. Mark chapter 4, verse 13. Then Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable... How will you understand all the other parables? Now, a parable is just a story with a hidden meaning, okay? So let's look for the hidden meaning. The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message, people that are in church today, people that are watching online, only to have Satan come at once and take it away. There are people right now, probably even in this audience, where the message will be immediately taken away. You say, well, what do you mean? We're distracted. And you know, that's, you know, I mean, kind of like all of a sudden they're the fowls of the air. And so the next thing you know, what do fowls do? They distract you. And so the next thing you know, something is distracting you and all of a sudden you're not hearing. You heard, but you didn't hear what God is trying to speak to you. So there are fowls. Satan comes immediately to steal the seed. Or, what it talks about, the seed fell on the footpath, represents those who hear the message, only to have Satan only come at once to take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. They get excited about it. But since they don't have any deep roots, they don't last long. Which means, what do you say, Pastor, on deep roots? Which means, you're not, you don't listen to the message and then afterwards go over there and put some soil on it. You know, um, many years ago, um, I had a a scenario where um, 
somebody wanted me to plant some trees so that there would be some blockage from my property to theirs. And uh, so Pastor Ron style, which isn't the right style. I want you to hear that, all right? So I contact a friend of mine who's got some six foot bushes, these little um, basically pine trees. They're like six foot tall. <laughs> I dig them out in my hand, pick it up, put it on the trailer, drive on the trailer, don't wrap it. I mean, these things are just, and these poor trees are you know, all the way to, to you know, go over there. And I prayed, I mean, I put 20 trees in by the grace of God, three survived. <laughs> just by the grace of God. Because I mean, I'm picking up these things and they just got, there's not even hardly any soil on them. You plant them in some new soil. Those trees are like, just in complete shock treatment. Well, God wants us to get in the word and the word is the soil. And the Holy Spirit wants to water that word. So they fall on rocky ground, which means we're not taking time to root in truths. We come to church or we listen to a message, but we don't get rooted in the truth. Amen? The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message, immediately receive it with joy. But since they have no deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they are problems or are persecuted for believing, believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by worries of this life. None of us have those today. The lures of wealth and the desire of other things. So no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear the, and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much has been planted. Let's pray. Father, I ask for help and delivery. Lord, you have so much of your heart and love that in this, these truths in your word, you're so passionate about your people. And I ask that, Lord, it would, could be delivered, Father, in such a way and received in such a way, God, that it would be 30, 60, and 100-fold blessing in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. All right, now I want to turn with, uh, with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Today we live in a, a society, and we, we're going to talk about this word tolerance, where um, that if you don't listen, or if, that, if you're not uh, privy, or if you're not um, open, um, you're intolerant. And so what I want to do is, first of all, I want to talk about the dictionary, what it says. Um, and then I want to talk about what God's word says. And I want to share with you from Matthew chapter 16, and then we're going to kind of expound on these truths because it's so important that the body of Christ understands in this era, in this timeline, what does God expect of me? What is God longing for my life? How do I live in this, in this culture and where there's so many, so much untruth, so many lies that are being inundated in every place that we breathe, live and breathe, how do I stay the course of truth? How do I not become some mad person, angry at the world? How do I express joy and not be tainted by the world? Matthew chapter 16, Jesus speaking. Watch out, Jesus warned them. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. 
At this, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus had just fed 4,000, but Jesus knew what they were saying. So he said, you have so little faith, so little trust. Why are you arguing, arguing with each other about having no bread? Don't you understand? Even yet, don't you remember the 5,000? I fed with five loaves and the basket of leftovers. Or the 4,000? I fed with seven loaves and the large baskets of leftovers you picked up. Why can't you understand that I'm not talking about bread? So again, I said, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then at last they understood that he wasn't speaking about the yeast and bread, but about the deceptive teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Do you wake up every morning thinking that you should beware? Is this scripture any different today? Or even more so today? Would Jesus come into the presence of your morning and say, listen, I want you to beware. Because there's so much deceptive teaching out there. I think Jesus would, fact, I think he would awaken us every single morning with it today. It isn't something that we even have to, to go and literally get to a radio station to anymore because everything is literally pounded through our smart devices, our phone. I mean, what's the first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning? I mean, the first thing I do is I turn my phone off because it's my alarm. And then I usually you version gives me my scripture verse. And then I look at my schedule that's on my phone. And then what I do is I, I go over there and I look at my email that's on my phone. Almost everything is over there. So every single morning I'm awakened and am I going and I'm listening to everything that's on my phone. And so easily do I get moved away from, hey Lord, I invite you in this day. This is your day. Your daily bread. I hear Jesus saying, beware. Let me give you the definition of tolerance from, the, you know, um, from Google. The ability of willingness or willingness to tolerate something, in particular, the existence of opinions or behaviors that one does not necessarily agree with. You can be open to it, but you don't have to agree with it. Today, they want to tell you that you are intolerant because you don't agree with it. That's not the definition. Are you listening? The definition of tolerance from the dictionary means that I can be, listen, I can open myself. God is open to everyone. He loves everyone on the face of the earth, but he doesn't agree with it. You can be open to every space of thought, but you need to know what you agree with. You need to know whom you agree with. You need to know who your true north is. You need to know where your compass is. And that you don't have to get along with people or situations because that tells you that you're intolerant. That's not what the definition of tolerance is. I'm open to what you say, but I don't agree with it. Isn't it interesting? Because really, who's really intolerant is, is if I start talking about Christ, really find out who's intolerant. Because they're not open at all to the speech of Christ. Now I'm going to share with you, I've already kind of alluded to it, about King Solomon. Okay? Let me read this passage to you. But listen, before I do that, I want to read what God spoke to every king. I believe God's speaking to every king and queen in this room. I believe he's speaking to every priest and priestess in this room because that's what he calls us. He calls us kings and priests in a different order. Every person in this room 
whose holy child of God is a king and a priest unto God. So now listen to what God speaks. Before they had any kings, Deuteronomy, there has never been a king in God's, you know, in, in, in the order. So before time began with kings, for God's people, this is what God said in Deuteronomy 17. The king must not build up large stable of horses for himself or send his people to Egypt to buy horses. For the Lord has told you, you must never return to Egypt. The king must not take many wives for himself because they, have turned his, they will turn his heart away from the Lord. He must not accumulate large amounts of wealth and silver or gold for himself. When he sits on the throne as king, he must copy for himself this body of instruction on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priest. He must always keep that copy with him and read it how often? How often? As long as he lives. Every single day he needs to keep this truth in front of him. You know why? Because he can get off and wayward. How quickly, every single day, this king is supposed to put this in front of him. That way, he will learn to fear the Lord, his God, by obeying all the terms of these instructions and decrees. This regular reading, this regular reading of God's word to you, this regular reading of God's truth will prevent you from becoming proud and acting as if, as if you are above your fellow citizen. It will also prevent you from turning away from these commands in the smallest way. Why do you think that Pastor Ron, and why do you think all of us are trying to get you to read God's word? Two things, A, you don't become proud. Two, the other one is, is that you go over there and you think that you're better than everybody else. And the other one is, is that so your heart stays true to your God, to your maker. And it will ensure that he and his descendants will reign for many generations to come. All right, so let's talk to the wise guy. Let's talk about who the wise guy is. Solomon, wisest king that ever lived. Obviously, I'm not talking about Jesus, but the wisest king. So this guy is literally, if, if there was a time where this person could have wrote Google, or this person could have invented anything. He would have been the person that invented everything. He would be the person that would, you know, literally know how to literally bring awe or understanding that you never had had. You would be in awe of his intellect, King Solomon. And he learned from David. So this man was underneath a man who loved God. He was born in a right home. So if this man, who has all the intelligence and everything life has to offer, loses his way, he's the smartest guy that's on the planet Earth, can lose his way. How many tell you right now, you searching to understand how to fix your problem isn't going to fix your problem. You need to know what Christ is saying. Just this last week, um, and it's interesting how God will always, you know, put, I'm just going to say, trials in my life. And I've learned to be thankful for those trials. And I say I learned it. I don't think I've, I've graduated from it, but I've learned it. And in the space of these trials, this one happened to be my wife's vehicle. And uh, it's a new vehicle and, and the lights for the trailers, hauling trailers don't work. Sounds like, well, it's not a big deal to you. Well, it's a big deal to me because I haul boats for a living. <laughs> so if the lights don't work, people can't see, they're going to run into the boat and it's going to be a bad day. All right. So, and it's my fault. So anyway, going to Toyota to get it fixed. And uh, all of a sudden I see the salesman 
that sold me the vehicle. And I had them put the trailer lights on and everything else. Now, inside of me, I could go, right? Because I'm sitting in that space. But on the, uh, all of a sudden, I sense the Lord is saying something. I don't know what he's saying, but he's saying something. And, and I'm not really listening because I, I got so much on my mind. I got so many things I got to accomplish in the day. So I'm kind of avoiding the dialogue. I know that none of you do this. So just pretend to connect with me for a moment, all right? So I'm so busy with the thing. I'm on my phone, I'm talking to this person. I'm on my phone talking to this person. I'm getting this direction for this. I'm getting this direction for this. And every time I turn around, there's my salesman. I mean, I can't walk this way. And you know, Maya uh, Auto is a pretty big, pretty big area. I mean, you can walk. I walked all the way to the VW place to get away from him. I walked all the way over to the Audi place to get away from him. And then I've walked over there. There he is by the Toyota place. There he is. Well, that's what he does. He sells Toyotas. So anyway, also the next thing you know, we bump into each other. There's no way in the world. He goes, I thought that was you. Well, I knew it was you. <laughs> and so we have this dialogue. He says, how are you doing? And you know what? I says, I'm doing great. He says, what do you mean? He says, well, how's Third Coast doing? How's the church doing? And my wife and I have had some dialogue. He's come to our house. He's accepted Christ. He's had some good. And then he's just like life. He gets off the path. He goes, man, I got the worst news in my life yesterday. He's busy starts sharing his heart. God creates nonsense in my life so I can have an intersection with his life. So stop complaining about your scenarios. Start listening to what God wants to do in the midst of your scenario. Most of us, most of us are so habitual people that the only way God can work with us in a different place is if he knocks you out of your habit. Let's listen, not like King Solomon. Let's listen like our King Jesus. Here's what Solomon did. This is what God speaks to Solomon, 1 Kings 11. Now, King Solomon, now remember, he's not supposed to marry foreign wives. Why? Because they'll turn his heart away from God. He's not supposed to go back to Egypt, you know. And what does Egypt represent? Go back to your old life. How many of us get saved and we go right back to the old things we were doing? Same habits. Not go back to Egypt. Go get horses. Don't go back to your old life, Okay. And we're not supposed to accumulate all this wealth unto ourselves because lest we get too prideful. Let's look what King Solomon does. The wisest guy who doesn't seem to listen to God's word. Now, King Solomon loved many foreign women. Besides Pharaoh's daughter, who's the first one he married? Pharaoh's daughter. He's not supposed to go back to... What are you doing? The first one he marries, Okay. And he married a woman from Moab, Ammon, Edom, Sidon. He had 700 wives. This guy's crazy, all right? The Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel, you must not marry them because they will turn your hearts. God doesn't, it's not because God doesn't love other women, because he doesn't want their heart to turn away from. How God, do you realize in the course of your day, God cares where your heart is? He so does not want your heart to turn away from him. And God is telling us that the condition of your surroundings, your heart is in contest. And in fact, they turned your heart away from the Lord. In Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord. 
I'm going to jump a little ahead for time. The Lord was very angry with Solomon, for his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. He had warned Solomon specifically about worshiping other gods, but Solomon did not listen to the Lord's command. What do you think the chances is that Solomon every single day turned to the word? I think he was turning to a thousand women he was trying to satisfy. Deuteronomy 7. This is God's heart toward you. When the Lord your God brings you into a land you are about to enter. Let's think about that in your shop. Okay. He will clear, he says, he will clear away many nations ahead of the Hittites, the Gerizites, and all these other rites. These seven nations are greater and more numerous than you. When the Lord your God hands these nations over to you and you conquer them, you must completely destroy them. You know what that is today? You must completely destroy anything that's against God in your heart today. Not mankind. We don't destroy. Back in that day, they didn't have, your heart couldn't change. People couldn't be won over to Christ. But what we do in our life today, so I show up and maybe you show up at your workplace. And you know what? What you need to do is you need to condition your heart to be thankful in that workshop. So that, you know what, give thanks in all things, for this is pleasing unto the Lord. And all of a sudden, you're, you know what, the people that worked in the night shift, you show up for the day shift, and they left your workstation destroyed. They're pigsty, now you gotta pick up their mess. And God says, give thanks unto the Lord, for this is good and pleasing unto God. And you go, this guy, I can't believe it. And, you want to, and God doesn't say, listen, I'm not asking you to deal with your Hittite. <laughs> your Hittite was last night's workshop. And God says, what are you going to do with your heart? And God says, give thanks unto the Lord, for this is well and pleasing unto your Lord. We live in a day and age, you can put yourself in this Bible. Yeah, our Hittites and our Amorites and the Moabites, they're all a little bit different. They may work on a different shift in us, but our heart is the same as that day. God's going, what will you do with your heart in the midst of the unfairness, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the things that are going on in your trials? What will your heart be true to? If God says to be happy at all things, and but, or will you be joyful in all things? Philippians chapter 3 says it this way, 17 through 20. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your life after mine. This is Paul speaking. And learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you often before, I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things and they don't think about things that this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. And I have one more passage I'm gonna read in closing. This passage is kind of the birthplace of this message today. I didn't really realize that almost every night this last week, I couldn't get this passage out of my heart. In fact, you know how um, I'd wake up at like three o'clock, five o'clock in the morning, and I'd turn my Bible back on, and I, it always, I turn it always back to Second Chronicles. And for this week, it was Second Chronicles. You know, last week, it was um, the book of Judges. And the week before that, but it was the Lord speaking to my heart. And sometimes I think the Lord likes to speak to my heart in the middle of the night. 
Sorry to say it's because I'm not, my mind's not busy. He wants to sleep and be restful. So the best time, and it's sad to say, is that God can speak to me is the middle of the night. That's, that's, that's bad me. And in 2 Chronicles chapter thir- or 19, this passage is kind of, it kind of um, hit me because we just talked about the enemies of the cross in Philippians 3. And some of us just don't like to think that God has enemies. Because we think of God as love and that God is just, you know, and he is. God is love. But God has enemies. Enemies of the cross. There are people that you engage with every single day. There are people on the media today. There are people everywhere. There are literally are enemies of that cross. Enemies of that cross. Now, doesn't mean that they can't turn from that, but they are enemies of the cross. And that God does not want us to be friends with enemies of the cross. God doesn't want us to befriend it. God wants us to love them, but not befriend them. You can love the world without befriending the world. Are you listening? In fact, let me give you a passage that God woke me up this whole week with, because I believe we are so, we think in some way that we're gonna win the world to God. You don't win nobody to the world. Jesus does through the Holy Spirit. You are a tool, you're an instrument of righteousness, and when God works on you, but it isn't because of how good you are, how smart you are, and how great you deliver it. It is the Holy Spirit that brings conviction. I'll say it again, it's the Holy Spirit that brings conviction. And many times that conviction will come in their life, not because you're a friend to them, but because you're representing the truth to them. And when sometimes you're so much of a friend to them, they lost the truth that's inside of you. And I'm not saying you judge them because your words should be always seasoned with grace. Your words should always be, God loves you. God has a plan for your life. God hopes for you. But your conduct should always be agreeable with the kingdom, not agreeable with sin. King Jehoshaphat's 2 Chronicles chapter 19, I'm going to end here. When King Jehoshaphat of Judah arrived safely home in Jerusalem, he had just befriended Ahab, let his son marry Ahab's daughter, who Ahab was definitely an enemy of God. Jehu, son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him. Why should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? He asked the king, because of what you have done, the Lord is angry with you. Even so, there is some good in you, for you have removed the astropoles throughout the land and have committed yourself to seeking God. Simple here. I don't want to be an enemy. I don't want to befriend the enemies of God. So when someone hates God, I'm not going to try to love them by my words or love them. What I'm going to do is share Jesus, say Jesus loves you. I'm not going to say Ron loves you because that ain't going to change nothing. I'm going to say Jesus loves you. Jesus has a plan for you. And then they can hate me. I'm not going to go over there and try to figure out how to win them over. What I'm going to do is I'm going to be sensitive to the voice of God in the moment like I needed to be with the man in Toyota. That's what I need to do. That no one ever comes to know God because of the conduct of man. Only someone comes to know God because of the conduct of Jesus and what he did on the cross. And that you become a message 
through the words that you, God, will bring through your life of hope, the good news of salvation, but not trying to literally be like what, what Jehoshaphat did. He goes, hey, you know what? says, we're married now. We're married in. We're, we're family now. Today, I think the world out there doesn't know who Jesus is because we're so trying to be inclusive instead of show who God is in our life. Are you ready to be the holy child of God? Are you ready to seek and be so passionate for God that you stick out, not because you're a hater, but because the love of God is on the inside and you weep in the morning? You're weeping because you think of that person who just got served with divorce papers? You're weeping because someone's child just, you know what, someone's child has committed suicide? And it breaks your heart and you don't even go over there. You're not going over there shaking your hands going, I really know how you feel because you don't know how they feel. But you're broke over that situation and say, God, I don't know what to say, but I'm lifting them up in prayer. And God, I ask right now that you send messengers. I pray that you send angels. God, I pray that, Lord God, that you send, Lord, some love inside of their life. And Lord, here I am. And when you speak in your life, you know it's few words because you're listening rather than talking. Father, truly God, I'm sorry for all the things that I, Lord God, that I have skewed. And Lord, I know that as an ambassador of yours, Lord, there's so much that is just off color. God, I ask you to forgive me for that. And cleanse me for that. God, I pray that, that you would work your plan in our lives. God, I pray that we would be broke as Daniel was so broke over the state of the nation. Jesus, as you were so broke looking over Jerusalem, you wept. Or you were so broke over the, the state of people's looking at Lazarus and they could not see. Or you were so broke that people were listening and just reacting to what was around them instead of conditioning their heart to hear what you were saying. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from you. God, may we have listening ears today. May we hear what you're saying in this moment for our marriages. May we hear what you're saying for Lord God, for our kids for our schools may we hear what you're saying God for our Lord God our laws of this land may we hear we say God may we be caught up in prayer not caught up with opinions may we weep as you weep God you said you turn our mourning into laughter I believe this is the time to mourn the state of our lives and that Lord God you'll turn it into laughter as we stand against the enemy who's destroying lives if you're here this morning and you're struggling with your relationship with Jesus you're struggling hearing God's voice God is speaking he's speaking in this hour he's awakening our lives you pray with me today will you lift up your heart and say God I want a softer heart that hears your voice 
Let's all pray this prayer together right now. All of us. Say, Father in heaven, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Lord Jesus, I ask for a tender heart that listens, that is ready to obey you. Teach me your ways. Here I am. In Jesus' name, I'm all yours. Amen. Let's stand up and worship our King together. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.